Welcome to the Viewpoint Podcast with your host, Henry Grosek. Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grosso. It gives me great pleasure to welcome, as always, regular guest on What's Making News, co-host Russell Hanby. You're not a regular guest. You're a co-host. I should have said that. Welcome anyway, Russell. How are you going? <laughs> thanks, Henry. I'm well, thanks. And are you? Even better. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> I can't help myself. What would you prefer to be, a regular guest or a regular co-host? Because I, uh, I muddled them up this today. Yeah, probably regular co-host, I suppose. Yeah, yes, yeah, co-host. I guess usually someone that occasionally, if, if ever, occurs or, or yeah. really, really occurs, one-off. Hmm. So who do you give more respect to, co-host or guest? That's <laughs> a good question. Your, be guest in your case, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I will not take that as the slight that it was clearly intended. Do you feel I sort of – do you sometimes feel I – I just sort of, what would be the right word? Um, I sometimes perhaps could treat you a little better on air or for want of a better term, Russell. Oh, I just put up with it as all part of the show business, isn't it, really? Is it? (laughs) (laughs) It is, it is, it is, it is. Oh, you put up with it. Do you remember all those years ago when you introduced me to radio and you you were my initial, I used to come in early at the old Mary Warren Studios way, way back over 20 years ago and I would turn up and be very respectful and thankful for you training me. Did you have any idea that one day this would be your your punishment? <laughs> no. I think I mightn't have been available that day if I'd have known. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm forever thankful that you did. And look, I just say to my listeners, um, you know, obviously I have my own personality, but my, my, my initial mentor and huge influence on the way I approach radio was Russell Hanby. So I can blame you for that, can't I? Yes. And if he make any mistakes, you just blame me for teaching oh, him. Oh, absolutely. He didn't <laughs> teach me. No. <laughs> oh, we're not into the blame game here. I'm responsible for my own behaviour. Now, Russell, celebrating a leader, lark and legend. This is sad and yet it's also a great tribute. This is in the age. A riveting presence on screen. A rock star without a band. A national treasure. The great Indigenous actor, David DeLathnew, has died at the age of 68 and best remembered as a trailblazer for other Indigenous actors and filmmakers as well as being himself a compelling talent on screen for more than 50 years yes we've lost someone special there haven't we we have yes and he started in many films including storm storm boy i think we all remember him there. oh yes what a fabulous Cro- film that was yes crocodile dundee rabbit proof pinch the tracker australia that big movie and uh, charlie's country uh, he started life with a largely tribal childhood in arnhem land and made international acclaim after british director nicholas rogue or rogue cast him in walkabout that was back in 1971 now, he's also a talented dancer, singer, and painter. Um, unfortunately, he was diagnosed in 2017 with lung cancer, but was able to live a further four years. Um, writer and director Warwick Thornton described him as a rock star without a band, as we said, and tributes about his acting flowed in from a lot of people, including Baz Luhrmann. He says he was a unique person and a unique Australian. Philip Noyce says his national treasure and the world's most prominent embodiment of Australian Aboriginal culture for 50 years. Hugh Jackman said that his contribution to film was immeasurable. So he certainly held up in the great lights by, by his uh, peers, isn't he? 
Mm, yes, and at one of his final public appearances for the Adelaide Festival premiere of My Name is Gul Palil in March, an audience of 1,500 gave him a one-minute long standing ovation when he arrived on stage in a wheelchair, uh, sadly looking rather frail, and he rose to his feet and in an unscheduled speech told them, Today I will think of you. That's right. And you will think of me. He, yes, he, 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 was, a, he was an actor who um, his directors said didn't have to say a lot to have an, an impact and a connection with, with the audience. Uh, it was his body presence that made all the difference, which is uh, something special to have that gift, isn't it? Yes, and even like season, other seasoned actors were admire, always admire his natural way in front of the camera, don't they? Mm, so, um, look, we've, and I'm sure we'll all re, relive many of the famous uh, the films that, that he, he, he starred in. And I think interestingly too and importantly, um, he's an inspiration to many other Indigenous actors and filmmakers and uh, we all need the people that we can be, from whom we can be inspired and, and, and David certainly was that person. So long after, you know, his film career and his passing, there'll be people saying, you know, David Delaith knew was the person who um, who inspired me all the, uh, all the years ago when he was the trailblazer. The That's Hill's right. son has an interesting piece here, um, Russell, doesn't it? Yes, uh, tense time for teens. Australian teenagers are glued to their screens for up to nine hours a day are not even doing an hour of exercise daily and are getting less and less sleep. And uh, in uh, one in three are reported uh, being unfairly treated in the past year because of their gender, sexual identity or race, according to Mission Australia's latest youth survey report. Now, in the survey of 20,015 to 19-year-olds, more than four out of 10 were extremely or very concerned about mental health. That was in a survey just done between April and August this year. 45.7%, that's nearly half, nominated COVID-19, and nearly as many said the environment were the two main worries. Uh, one in four said they had um, personally been adversely impacted by COVID, not the illness, uh, the disease so much that like beset them, but their activity participation uh, was affected, mental and physical health, and uh, not being able to see their families and friendships uh, and friends. And the lockdowns, over 60% said was detrimental to them. It had a detrimental effect on health, well-being and education, leading to insecurity and anxiety of not knowing when they can see family and friends. It's interesting, initially, more than 40-50% said they were happy with their lives and positive for the future. But uh, in 2020, with the pandemic, that dropped uh, somewhat, that percentage. And now on the uh, exercise front, two out of three do less than seven hours of exercise weekly. That's the recommended amount. And 77% use screens more than five hours a day with a, a high 35.7% more than nine hours. And uh, another effect have been this chronic sleep deprivation leading to a lack of concentration, memory and affecting decision-making. So uh, it's had a, a wide effect apart from becoming sick, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I think long-term, those sorts of trends, uh, that it's not really a healthy environment in which uh, our young people are living. And a, a lot of things uh, catch up with you decades later is, um, as well as immediately. And uh, a combination of excessive screen time, lack of exercise, lack of sleep, is uh, is a recipe for um, not only underperformance in what you want to do, uh, but also your general health and well-being um, not good at all. 
That's right. Mm. And the other thing is with this remote learning, uh, schooling has, has an important part, apart from the kids learning stuff, but it sort of had a, a, a sort of a therapy effect, didn't it, I think, where they could see their friends and, and there were some articles in the paper this week showing how schools have come to the party helping them with, by having pets in the in the classroom and all this business, you know, in front mm. of the camera. Mm. Interesting. There's a lot, a lot of work in that space to be done. We need to take a short break. Russell, can you hold the line? Yes. Welcome back to Viewpoints Listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grosseka, and I'm in the middle of a discussion on what's making news with Russell Hamby. Welcome back, Russ. Thanks, Henry. The next one's a disappointing one, uh, very disappointing, and certainly um, in our position of responsibility, role modelling's so important, and um, the Herald Sun ran a feature, Parliament's shame. Half of those working in Australia's federal parliament have been the victim of bullying, sexual harassment and assault, with a bombshell report revealing shocking allegations against MPs. There's, there's no sugarcoating that these people, um, too many of them, are reported as, um, as, as, as being, well, predatory bullies and harassers and, and as, as leaders in our community, elected leaders, um, that's, that's damning. It is, yes. You'd expect them to be uh, the highest the level of uh, employment with their uh, staff, wouldn't you, really? But uh, staffers, yes. and staffers and parliamentarians have told the Australian Human Rights Commission a booze-fueled power culture saw women sexually molested. And one in three victims of sexual harassment uh, within parliament, 63% of female parliamentarians reported Having this, and one in four, of, and in one in four of these cases, MPs were the perpetrators themselves. Uh, the Sex Discrimination Commissioner Kate Jenkins has laid out a blueprint to fix the toxic culture and crack down on drinking gender targets and an enforceable code of conduct. Now, this follows uh, Liberal staffer Brittany Higgins' very public allegation of rape in Parliament by a colleague in 2019. And it's led, uh, among other things, to a 456-page report contributed by about 1,700, so not just a handful, 1,700 current and former parliamentary workers. And uh, there's going to be an independent standards commission. They're going to have the power in, in the future to sanction offenders. Yes. Um, and the behaviour in Parliament the other day, earlier this week, was... Uh didn't 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 curry favour with the view that they've learned a lesson because it, uh, Parliament was a pretty disgraceful place by the sounds of everything uh, when this report was dropped. Um, there's a there's obviously an entrenched, very very um, poor quality of uh, culture going on in there from too many people. Yes, seems to be a power, ego trip in a way, isn't it, that uh, some of these men mainly yeah. have a power over their, uh, their, their workers, their lady workers. Yeah, uh, would you really want to be a woman working in there unless they clean up that culture somehow? And I mean, it, it really has to be a strong statement. Uh, and our parliamentarians, uh, elected leaders, they're supposed to lead the country, Um I, I know nobody's perfect and things happen in all walks of life, in, in families, in jobs. But uh, this is beyond the pale, quite clearly, isn't it? And, yes. And for and, too long. And up until uh, recently, I think, I suppose, women have been too afraid to speak out. It's not just Parliament, but other places, because they fear they'll lose their jobs if they complain, you know. Well, that just adds to the whole thing. Let's let's watch this space and see. I think there's an election coming up next year. It'll be very interesting to see 
what the parties come up with in the way of addressing this uh, this damning report in a swift and very constructive way. And uh, time will tell, won't it, Russell? It will, indeed. Now, now you aren't one of the people complaining about the cosmetic sur- uh, surgery industry, are you? Because you look pretty good. Well, I haven't had any Botox or anything <laughs> like that. Um, they all say that. Not yet, anyway. On <laughs> the way, is it? Botox? Which, what you... <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave that one go through to the keeper. Yeah, well, the cosmetic surgery industry faces patient safety probes, says The Age. The National Medical Regulator has announced a sweeping review of the multi-billion dollar cosmetic surgery industry, acknowledging that a profit-driven culture led to dangerous practices that sparked widespread concerns about patient safety. And uh, yes, former Queensland Health Ombudsman Andrew Brown is going to lead the external review. He's looking at ways to better protect patients and examine the use of social media by some cosmetic surgeons to promote their services. Follows a joint investigation by The Age and ABC's Four Corners recently, I actually saw this program, into alleged disturbing practices at a network of clinics run by Dr. Daniel Lanza. Now, since then, Dr. Lanza and uh, his senior associate, Dr. Daniel Aronov, have uh, ceased practicing cosmetic medicine in Australia. The AHPRA uh, Chief Executive Officer, that's the Australian Health Practitioner Regulation Agency, Martin Fletcher, said that aspects of the the cosmetic industry or surgery industry is alleged to have placed profit over patient safety, no medical need for cosmetic procedures in many cases, limited factual information being given to consumers, and there's been an exponential growth in social media that emphasises benefits and downplays risks. Now, currently, any GP or anyone with medical degree uh, can call themselves a cosmetic surgeon. Unlike a plastic surgeon, they need eight to 12 years postgraduate surgical training. So it's a bit of a worry. And uh, that was a a fact I didn't know, that you uh, could virtually, with little training in the field, put up your shingles as a cosmetic surgeon. Yeah, I assumed, and I think most people assume, these are highly qualified, highly trained, very well experienced um, plastic surgeons. But clearly that's that's not the case. Yeah, I used to think that they were, in a way, plastic surgeons, you know, by by definition, but they're not, obviously. No, no, they're what, just doctors who set themselves up in that sphere, basically. Is that true? I think so, yes. And uh, and some of the horrific stories of things being bungled is uh, mind-boggling. Yes, it's a, it's 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 a it's a worry, but at least they're onto it, and hopefully something will will come of it. Now, have you ever played? Um, you ever played uh, snooker? Not really. Not a great uh, snooker player, uh, but there's a case here of a world champion. Uh, isn't there? Um, One of our the top players fell asleep. Tell us all about yeah, it. Yeah. Hard to believe. Three, well, three-time world champion Mark Williams took his break mid-match when he fell asleep during a prestigious tournament. Uh, Returning from a bout of coronavirus, 46-year-old Williams was leading 3-2 at the UK Championships when he sat down and let his opponent, Anthony Hamilton, play. He said, my head went down and I woke up. I didn't have a clue where I was, said Williams, ranked eighth in the world. Footage of Williams snoozing, cue in hand, has done the rounds on social media since he unsurprisingly lost on Sunday night. So three uh, two at the time. Yes, yeah, so uh, he just <laughs> fell asleep. This uh, <laughs> that's one of the, 
it's one of the uh, uh, one of the nasty illnesses you get with COVID, isn't it? Yeah, well, obviously COVID. Yes, yes, people can feel pretty fatigued for a long time. So from that perspective, it's uh, um, it, it's 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 not fun and it's not something to laugh at. Yet on another level, if you look at it, <laughs> you're in the middle of a prestigious tournament at a high level and you drop off to sleep in the middle of the. You've never done that in the middle. You know when you've got a song on, Russell? And yes. You've been, you've been there for a few hours and, you know, you're getting a bit sort of tired and you've had a hard day and it's late at night or whatever. Have you ever fallen asleep at the turntable? No, I haven't fallen asleep because I think there's still a – as you – I know I've done it for many years now, but there's still that adrenaline of making sure you do the right thing. That is time I ever mark up is if I get distracted, if someone comes in the room and, and I'm chatting with them and I realise I haven't queued up the next thing. And they're, they're the only times I these days I tend to make any mistakes is when I'm distracted by someone uh, in the room, you know. Have I ever distracted you in the studio? No, you've been very good. Yes, good. <laughs> when I used to when I used to work the fishing show before you used to come in for what's making news on the Friday. That's right. My only worry was here. It was five past nine. The news had finished, and Henry turns up in his little white car and uh, yes. runs in flustered. And I'm wondering whether I should put a song on. You know, I think I did have to put a couple of songs on once. You know, you did. <laughs> <laughs> Last minute, I just I remember the time we were doing it together, and I had two guests lined up by phone. And neither of them were there. And we had the talk for best part of an hour with ad-libbing with no preparation. Remember that time? I can remember that. You and I just yes. chatted for nearly an hour. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So we always, from that point on, learned a lesson. And that was always have a recorded uh, interview of some sort that you can throw in, one from well, the my, vault or somewhere. <laughs> my worst uh, thing was on one fishing day, we had three guys over the time, different lot of threes, you know. Mm. And uh, on this one particular occasion, none of them showed up. I don't know whether it was miscommunication. Yeah. And I... But I fortunately had the reporters' phone numbers that I used to ring through, so I could sort of make some sense of uh, talking to them, you know. Sure. And then, but but I still had a good half hour, so I just said, "Oh, we're going to play music from now on," you know. Yeah. But it certainly <laughs> gets an adrenaline rush yeah. when and, somebody yeah. doesn't turn up or something goes That's wrong because right. you can't have dead air, can you? No, an interesting one of the guys, John Willis, uh, known mm. as the. The bear, he's well known. Oh, yes. yes. I think you might have even met him. Yes. When he rang me up and said, would you like me to come in next week and help you out? And we had a good reign with him doing it just yeah. because of that. So yeah, that good, was it. He had a good personality, the bear, didn't yeah, he? he was quite, yes. quite a fun-loving person. That's right. So, uh, but those, that's... those were the days. We're going back many, many years now. <laughs> oh, yes, but the memories linger for longer. Uh, Russell, that takes us out for this week. You have a great week, and we'll be back at the same time next week with What's Making News, and it will be the penultimate edition for yes, this year. That's right. It'll also be the second last one, yeah. That'll so also be the second time. last one. <laughs> Take care, my friend. That was Russell Hanby and What's Making News, listeners. You've been listening to the Viewpoints Podcast, hosted by Henry Grossek and produced by Rob Kelly. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review and rate us via Apple Podcasts. 